Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner. GX on Agriculture. And good afternoon. It's 16 after 12 after 1 in Manitoba. I'm Rod McDonald filling in for uh, Doug Falconer this week. Coming up on GX on Agriculture today, well, there's been a lot of uh, severe weather across the prairies this so far this summer. And we'll hear from Bruce Lowell, Executive Vice President of Ag Direct Hail Insurance on the program today. Bruce says uh, it's somewhat odd that Manitoba seems to be getting the brunt of the hail so far this year. Normally, we'd expect more in Alberta, but Alberta's kind of taken a back seat to Manitoba. So we'll hear from Bruce Lowe on the extent of damage and um, what sort of storms we have seen across the prairies this year. Coming up next week, of course, it is Ag in Motion taking place near Langham, just west of Saskatoon. We heard from Rob O'Connor. He's the show director on yesterday's program, and we'll pick up our conversation with Rob on the show today. He'll tell us about some other aspects of Ag in Motion that you'll want to check out while you're there next week, you and probably about 30,000 others, because I believe that's the... uh, attendance they're looking to achieve this year which would be right in right in line with what they had last year for ag in motion so more details coming up on ag in motion on the program today and also we'll hear about a saskatchewan success story the vaccine and infectious disease organization on on-site pilot scale vaccine manufacturing facility Now, VEDO, or the Vaccine Infectious Disease Organization, is located on the campus of the University of Saskatchewan and certainly uh, um, something we can be very proud of. We'll hear from Dr. Volker Gertz on the program today. He's the director and CEO of VEDO Intervac. First, though, the agriculture weather outlook, and it's brought to you today by Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. And Sean Prehika, your Remax Blue Chip Egg Division Specialist. Manitoba may be taking over as the hail capital of the prairies. Usually, Alberta gets more hail, but not this year, at least not so far. Bruce Lowe is Executive Vice President of Ag Direct Hail Insurance. My claims manager, Bailey Shatanek, has been in this business now well over 25 years. He has never seen the sheer number of claims this early in the season. And, uh, you know, also interesting is the fact that it's been centered around Manitoba more than Saskatchewan and Alberta. Uh, We've had uh, about 250 claims so far, and about 100 of those are in Manitoba alone. 
and I say that kind of is a little upside down from normal, because when you look at the risk profile of the various uh, prairie provinces, Alberta certainly has the highest risk profile just because of the incidence of hail over many, many decades of, of data that we use. Saskatchewan is next, and then Manitoba is traditionally the lightest province in terms of, of hail damage. But this year, it's been, uh, it's been upside down, and it's been a tough year for Manitoba farmers. Low notes, about 20% of hail insurance premiums sold are in Manitoba. So if you look at that number and say, okay, well, Ag Direct, for example, I'm saying 250 claims, 20%, we should be around 40 or 50 claims right now. We are double what we normally are in Manitoba. Uh, and that's real. the real storyline is, is how many sheer number of claims. You know, in general, I will say Saskatchewan has been lighter than typically is, and Alberta's just basically hitting the number that's fairly typical, but the real story is Manitoba. Lowe says crop development in many areas on the prairies is well ahead of normal for this time of year. You know, we're getting estimates as, as much as two to three weeks ahead of where they normally are in terms of maturing. But because of the variation in, in moisture, even across, you know, sections, you know, we're seeing a lot of multi-sage plants. You take uh, canola, we're seeing fields where the development is, is all the way. One one crop is, is, in terms of development, is right from rosette to early flowering all the way to full blossom at wind one spot. And it's really kind of a testament to kind of the real spotty moisture that these farmers are getting. Lowe says, for the most part, the severity of storms so far this summer hasn't been as extreme as we've seen in the past. So while the sheer number of storms and, and hail claims is higher, we're not seeing those big, complete wrecks that you can see in some of the hail storms. Like, you, you know, you look at those storms that passed through right across uh, the prairies uh, July 1st and 2nd. They're, they were widespread storms, but they kind of were hit and miss storms where we're getting claims on, you know, 120 acres here and 170, you know, 180 acres there. And it wasn't the full on three, 4,000, you know, acre claims that sometimes can happen in bigger storms storms. Bruce Lowe is the executive vice president of AgDirect Hill Insurance. It's 1227 now, 127 in Manitoba. Uh, coming up, we have AgReview at the bottom of the hour. Efficiency is the name of the game. And a piece of AI-powered technology from AgVisor Pro aims to do just that. AgVisor Pro is launching a pilot project of its Visor Pro AI system to enhance Young Equipment's customer tech service and support. Co-founder and Chief Operating Officer of AgVisor Pro, Patrick Walter, says his company and Young's Equipment have been working together for about a year, and this is the latest endeavor of that partnership. It basically helps their customer support specialist to be more efficient. Um, when they're in season, they're getting hundreds of calls every day. You know, 60 to 80% of those calls are actually repeat. There are questions like, how do I set up my AV line? How do I calibrate my feeder house? All of those types of things. And we specifically started training a large language model that can provide these answers and um, give it to the technician and the technician looks at those answers and says, yes, that is the right answer and then sends it out back to the customer. Walter says the system is based on a large language model system. The way we do these is basically we ingest um, manuals like technical manuals, operational manuals, service manuals, 
Um, and then we train these large language models specifically on those types of data, and then we can even reference it to where it is in the manual as well. So it's, it's very cutting-edge technology. Sean Young is an assistant general manager of Young's Equipment. He says he saw a five-minute demonstration of the system in action, and he was impressed. More telling for me uh, and for our management team, um, our advanced agriculture manager had a chance to go, uh, you know, sit down with Patrick and, and go through some of the uh, some of how it works and, and and play around with it a little bit already. And he was impressed with it. And uh, I mean, I think that speaks more uh, within our organization than whether uh, whether I was impressed with it, because I mean, that's that's the kind of people within our organization that are going to be using it, that are going to be seeing the benefit uh, in terms of time savings when they're, you know, when they're working through an issue with a customer in terms of the capacity to serve more customers because they're not spending as much time trying to find that information that we know we have, but isn't always top of your head. So yeah, we've had a couple of people within the organization that have seen how it works and we're really excited to start using it and start rolling it out on a, on a little bit bigger scale. And Young says this will be a huge time saver for employees and customers. You know, you look at seeding, you look at harvest, you look at some of these times a year where everything is critical, everything is extremely time sensitive. The time that we can save getting to the right answer with the customer, getting uh, that customer back up and running, I mean, that's hugely beneficial for us. It's also hugely beneficial for our customers. And then the other side of it internally is just our advanced ag team and even our service departments. I mean, there's there's only so many people that, you know, that we're able to find, that we're able to employ. But at different times of the year, it can get really, really hectic. That workload can get really, really high. So we're looking at it and saying, okay, if we can cut down how long it takes for them to do a job, that's really, I mean, we should be able to get through that period quicker and hopefully minimize burnout, minimize, you know, the, the amount of the taxing of our employees trying to get through the workload that we have in those, in those very short windows that producers have to get the crop in or get the crop off. Young says they expect to have the AI system up and running this fall. It's a little after 12.30 now, 1.30 in Manitoba. AgReview is coming up next. And it is time now for AgReview. It's a presentation today of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, AgReview. The Canola Council of Canada has announced that Chris Davison will be the next president and CEO of the organization. Davison joined the Canola Council of Canada in 2021 as vice president of stakeholder and industry relations. He has more than 25 years of experience in the ag sector, including work in the areas of public and regulatory affairs and government and industry relations. Davison says he's honored and thrilled with the opportunity to take over from outgoing president Jim Everson. Davison will assume the president and CEO role at the end of this month. It's not just the prairies coping with dry conditions this summer. According to the Canadian Drought Monitor, as of June 30th, about 60% of the country was abnormally dry to being in a moderate drought including over three-quarters of farmland in the country. Drought conditions continued to expand and increase in severity across the prairies through June with higher-than-normal temperatures and a lack of significant rainfall. 
Temperatures on the eastern prairies were reported as 3 to 5 degrees above normal, while the western half was 1 to 2 degrees warmer than normal. USDA released its weekly crop report yesterday. Another week of widespread rains and cooler weather boosted the national corn condition rating for the second week in a row. And soybean condition also improved slightly following several weeks of declines. Nationally, corn was rated 55% good to excellent, up 4 percentage points from 51% the previous week, but down from 64% a year ago at this time. This year's current rating is still the lowest for this time of year since 2012. Soybeans were rated 51% good to excellent as of Sunday, up one percentage point from 50% last week, but down from 62% a year ago at this time. Like corn, soybeans' current rating is still the lowest since 2012. USDA said 47% of the spring wheat crop was rated good to excellent, down one percentage point from last week, and down from 70% a year ago. The federal government announcing $7.5 million toward the dairy research cluster. The objective of the cluster is to foster innovation to improve the environmental, economic, and social sustainability of the Canadian dairy sector. Investments will be made in 13 research projects to address the Dairy Farmer of Canada's strategic research priorities identified in the National Dairy Research Strategy. And two Canadians were recognized at the Beef Improvement Federation Annual Research Symposium held in Calgary. Bruce Holmquist from Canistino says it's special because the award has not been presented to many Canadians in the past. And it's kind of unique for Canadians to actually receive it. Uh, I think in the 55-year history there's been six of us. Um, And this year there was two, uh, Sean McGrath from Vermillion, and myself, uh, and we both uh, work for Canadian Semental, and, and that's our delivery process of genetics. Uh, at, but at the end of it all, it, it's uh, a selection made by their board of directors, I guess, of people they think that are, are deserving. And uh, like I said, it's kind of cool to have some, <laughs> some Canadians on the list because there's usually about three a year, so there have been quite a few Americans recognized. Bruce Holmquist is currently the general manager of the Canadian Semental Association. And that's today's Ag Review. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. 1238, now 138 in Manitoba, and we'll check on today's closing U.S. Livestock Futures coming up here shortly. Mainly cloudy, 18 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. Of course, we have the full weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. There's been a lot of discussion about succession planning on family farms, but it's just as important in agricultural research. Following comments come from an article written by Dr. Reynolds Bergen, science director for the Beef Cattle Research Council. It was first published in the June edition of the Canadian Cattlemen's Magazine. Dr. Bergen says hiring new researchers ensures that progress continues. Hiring new researchers is important to ensure that scientific progress continues. 
New scientists also bring new knowledge and skills and perspectives and energy. But having a PhD doesn't automatically make someone a good researcher, just like having a class one license doesn't automatically make someone a good trucker, or having an agriculture degree doesn't necessarily make someone a good farmer. Dr. Bergen says part of the process is having an experienced research scientist work with a younger colleague. It's often better if the new fresh-faced recruit has a chance to work with the grizzled veteran before they retire. You know, experience is the best teacher, and and it's always faster and more efficient for a, a new researcher or anyone else to learn the ropes from an experienced hand than to make all the same mistakes and learn all the same lessons themselves. So having experienced researchers available to mentor new researchers helps shorten their runway to productivity and success. Dr. Bergen says it's important to gain their first-hand experience. The Beef Cattle Research Council has had a mentorship program for nearly a decade. It matches new research scientists with beef producers who share research interests and bring practical expertise. This is especially important for foreign-trained researchers to build an industry network and the confidence to get started in producer communication and extension. Now, building those relationships is hard work, and if a researcher's first experience talking with producers isn't positive, they're going to be reluctant to try it again. And, And that creates a gap between producers and researchers, and that doesn't benefit anybody. So to address this challenge, the BCRC started a Beef Researcher Mentorship Program back in 2014. And that program matches new researchers with beef producers who share similar research interests and bring the practical expertise. So those producers serve as mentors for a year and they help the new researcher become familiar with the industry and with production realities and begin to understand how to align their skills and interests with industry's needs. Dr. Bergen provides this real-life example involving Dr. Surya Archery, a forage breeder who recently retired from the Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada Research Farm at Lethbridge, Alberta. In 2019, Dr. Achery worked with a young forage scientist, Dr. Harry Pudell, Now, Harry was originally from a farm in Nepal and had recently completed his PhD in plant breeding at the University of Wisconsin. So Surya and Harry worked together on a few industry-funded forage breeding projects that were aimed at improving the the nutritional value of sandfoin and alfalfa, as well as improving sandfoin's ability to compete and persist in mixed stands with both grass and alfalfa. But then Harry applied for and was accepted into the BCRC's mentorship program in the fall of 2021. And since then, he's been mentored by Graham Finn and Doug Ray, who are two progressive Alberta grass farmers. And they've helped Harry become familiar with the production issues and challenges and opportunities in Western Canada. This mentorship program also gives researchers and mentors uh, the opportunity to attend producer and industry events together. Again, that's Dr. Reynold Bergen. He's the science director for the Beef Cattle Research Council. It's about 18 now before 1, before 2 in Manitoba. Livestock Market Conditions. 
Now, here are today's closing U.S. livestock futures. August live cattle won 78.82. That was up $1.62 at the close today. October live cattle won 81.72, up $1.77. August feeder cattle, 247.15, up 90 cents today. September feeder cattle, 250.30, up 82 cents. August lean hogs closed at 97.57, up 340. And October lean hogs, 82.97, up $1.80. Those are today's closing U.S. livestock futures. Of course, we'll check the closing grain prices coming up in about seven minutes from now at 10 to 1, 10 to 2 in Manitoba. And now the weekly Sask wheat market outlook with Michael Wilton from Mercantile Consulting. In some of the most important headlines, we'll start in Canada. Saskatchewan Ag reduced their spring wheat crop ratings to 70%, good to excellent. Alberta Ag did not publish updated crop ratings. There's been a steady decline in soil moisture over the week. In Saskatchewan, cropland moisture rated as having adequate soil moisture fell by 11% from last week to 42%. Canadian wheat exports remain strong, with another 396,000 tons of wheat being exported in week 48. Total wheat exports are now 18.2 million tons. With just four weeks remaining in the marketing year, exports need to average 358,000 tons per week to meet the AAFC's 19.6 million ton estimate. Producers continue to deliver wheat into the elevator system at a rapid pace, with another 455,500 tons of wheat being delivered over the week. Visible supplies were down only slightly from last week to 2.1 million tons. For Durham, Algeria bought 200,000 tons of Durham from Mexico for $385 to $390 per ton. They also bought a load of Canadian Durham at $418 per ton. Tunisia bought about 100,000 tons of Durham at $418.5 per ton. We calculate that the Durham that Algeria purchased from Canada is worth about $12 per bushel at the elevator in Saskatchewan. The Canadian Durham producing regions continue to suffer under dry conditions. Soil moisture maps in Alberta South and Saskatchewan Southwest showed dry conditions expanding. Neither Alberta Agriculture nor Saskatchewan Agriculture updated their crop condition numbers this last week, but last week the province's Durham crops were rated at 47% good to excellent and 42% good to excellent, respectively. This compares with last year when Alberta's crop was 64% good to excellent and Saskatchewan's crop was 58% good to excellent. Crop yields are likely to suffer due to the dryness. Wilton says a return to trend yields, which would be up 7% from last year, now appears unlikely. Decreasing yields to last year's 34 bushels per acre reduces our production number by almost 400,000 tons to a similar level as last year's 5.6 million tons. Canadian exports in week 48 were 80. 8,000 tons for a season total of 4.9 million tons, now 100,000 tons more than what the AAFC was thinking, and well on our way to surpassing 5 million tons. 
visible supplies in Canadian elevators is 278,000 tons. Most of this is sitting in country elevators and could take a while to be exported. Strong Canadian Durham exports will cause feed use to shrink, as ending stocks do not have much room to shrink further. Domestic Durham stocks are tight, global demand in the coming year will be strong, and the Canadian crop is not yet made. We're sold out of old crop Durham and would wait before selling additional new crop. We think current new crop values for Durham are undervalued. Shifting our focus to the U.S. now, USDA reported that 48% of the U.S. spring wheat crop is in good to excellent condition. Drought conditions grew by 4% from last week, as 19% of the U.S. spring wheat crop is now under drought conditions. The condition of the Durham crops in North Dakota and Montana each fell by 9% last week to 64% good to excellent and 28% good to excellent respectively. Last year, Montana's crop was 65% good to excellent. Rain fell on the winter wheat belt, which slowed harvest progress and will do more to hurt the quality of the crop than improve conditions. Winter wheat harvest in the U.S. is 37% complete. U.S. weekly wheat export sales were better last week at 406,000 tons, that's 14.9 million bushels, for a season total of 170 million bushels, which is down 24% from last year's pace. In Australia, conditions in Australia continue to be strong despite the El Nino. There was additional rain in New South Wales and Victoria, while Western Australia was drier. FOB values in Australia were unchanged at $305 per tonne. In Argentina, old crop wheat sales in Argentina are just 9.9 million tonnes, which is essentially half of last year's volume. Argentina has also sold very little new crop. Just 600,000 tonnes has been committed, compared to 5 million tonnes this time last year. In the EU, the German Farm Association is estimating their wheat crop will be 20.6 million tons, compared to the 22.3 million tons of last year. Harvest in the EU has progressed north into Austria. EU farmers are generally being quite reluctant to sell at current values. In the Black Sea, the UGM in Ukraine is estimating their wheat crop will be 17.9 million tons, which is in line with other official estimates. Russia rejected the EU and UN's proposal on bank payments. The Black Sea Trade Corridor expires in seven days, and negotiations seem to be stalled. Russian FOB values gave back the $5 per ton they gained last week. Russian wheat was reportedly traded at $230 per ton, which remains at a steep discount to all other origins. And that is this week's Sask Wheat Market Outlook with Michael Wilton from Mercantile Consulting. You can read the full report online at saskwheat.ca. It's 10 to 1, 10 to 2 in Manitoba. We'll check on the closing grain prices coming up next. Commodities Update. Now here are today's closing grain prices. November canola 783.50 a metric ton. That was up 210 at the close today. January canola 786 dollars a metric ton, up 90 cents. 
September Minneapolis wheat closed at 864 a bushel, up 13 and three quarters. September Kansas City wheat 817 up 5 and 3 quarters. September Chicago wheat closed today at 660 and a half, up 14 and a quarter. September corn 494 and a half, up 2 and a, uh, two and a quarter cents, excuse me. August soybeans 1471 and a half, up 16 cents. And September oats 428 a bushel down one cent. And those are today's closing grain prices. Farm Bulletin Board. The 2023 edition of Egg in Motion kicks off next week. Egg in Motion runs July 18th through the 20th. The Egg in Motion site is located near Langham, just a short drive west of Saskatoon along Highway 16. Rob O'Connor is the Egg in Motion show director Seminars are a key part of Egg in Motion. O'Connor says they have changed how the seminars will be conducted somewhat. We had some really great feedback last year after the show. And one thing you notice about an outdoor event, people don't really want to sit around too much and listen to hours and hours of seminars like they do in a winter show. So what we're doing this year is we're going to provide the farmers the opportunity to get on one of our two tours, either the mobile mic session or the dynamic speaker series sessions and move to where those experts are within the different companies they work for. So you could go to company A's booth, listen to their expert, and half an hour later you can move to company B and listen to their expert and uh, see how their technology is being offered to you as a business. And so yeah, there's seven different stops over the two tours every day. O'Connor says last year they had about 545 exhibitors at Ag in Motion. This year they've added about 20 more. So we've increased a little bit on that. With the rejigging of the show, uh, you'll see that there's new themed areas throughout there. So that's helped us to manage our space differently. And so you'll be able to hopefully see what you need to see quicker. We have increased some of our social areas too. So whether it's the lounge or whether it's the demo bar, there's an opportunity for everybody to sit down, relax, talk to one another in the area of the show that they want to do that as well. O'Connor notes the numerous crop plots at Egg in Motion are a big hit with the attendees. There's 32 companies with crop plots out there, whether it's seed genetics or other types of crop inputs like insecticides or fungicides or fertilization options for you. They're all on the demonstration. You can get your hands dirty, pull a plant up, look at the roots, look at the leaves. You'll be able to see fall crops. You'll be able to see spring crops. You know, the canola looks great right now, even though we've had limited rain. And then uh, the livestock area is always important. Uh, it seems to be a growing area of our show. We've redesigned that area so that you'll be able to walk it better and, and feel a little bit uh, less uh, confused as to where you're going to see all the different exhibits there. All those streets now line up with the rest of the show. And then, of course, whether it's the FCC Pavilion or the Scotia Bank uh, Farmers Pavilion, there's about 200 exhibits just within those two as well. You can find everything you need to know about Ag in Motion on the Ag in Motion app. Our app has gone live, so you can access it now and start pre-planning. And with our app, you can actually map out where you want to go and time it out, create your own individual schedule. You can actually pre-organize a meeting with the exhibitors at the show. 
Uh, the app's a really powerful tool if you're interested in uh, managing your time at the show. And, and we know because the show's so large, it's difficult to see everything in one day. And we've seen lots of people now coming two and three days to the show. But the app really helps you to organize your visits and can help you connect with those companies you want to see. Around 30,000 attended Ag in Motion last year. O'Connor says they come from all over the place. About 50 to 60 percent of our attendees, the farmers, are coming from Saskatchewan. But then about a third of them come from Alberta. And about 15 to 20 percent come from uh, Manitoba. And then there's that 5 or 10 percent that come from the United States or international. And um, even though we don't promote yet outside of the three prairie provinces, like we don't buy any advertising outside of there, we're still attracting and we're, our name's getting out there and, and we are attracting people from, you know, Mexico or from Germany and Africa. All the different continents seem to be coming now to our show. Australia is huge at this show. The number of farmers that come from Australia is kind of mind-blowing. It'll be in the hundreds. And then um, United States, they just drive up. They don't even tell us they're coming. All of a sudden you go out into the parking lot and you see all these license plates from North Dakota, South Dakota, even California. It's, it's amazing how uh, the news travels about this show. Rob O'Connor, he's the Ag in Motion show director. Ag in Motion runs Tuesday through Thursday next week. Again, the show site is on Highway 16, just west of Saskatoon, near Langham. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.